Tonse, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Misnayagan Isquayak. My name is Kayla, and we are the Bookwomen, and I am here with my fellow Bookwomen. So I am one of the Bookwomen. I don't know why I got confused there for a second. <laughs> I'm all like overwhelmed now. Uh, so anyways, my name is Tanya. I'm one of the Métis aunties, and we're also here with... Sheila, who is also confused and overwhelmed, but <laughs> here That's and present. That's like pandemic. Yes. <laughs> it's been a year, hey? Oh, yeah. I remember it's... first isolating on St. Patrick's Day, and it was a weird moment that I was like, oh... Yeah. Trapped in my house for a full year. Yeah. Those first times wearing a mask to the grocery store or wherever you're going. Now it's just, you just do it. And it's like second nature. And I mean, it took me a year to be caught without a mask. And in that situation where you're like, where's my mask? And it's because it literally fell out of my pocket. And then I was trying to go to the store and I was like, where's my mask? Like panicking, like that person that's like, what happened? I had to go to a gas station and buy one. <laughs> Like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's so. it's been a year. It's been a year. Ugh. So here we are. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us still surviving the pandemic. <laughs> it's giving me a lot more confidence. Just saying to survive a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I have more of a solid plan of what I am to do. If that were to happen, or if things were to turn sideways with uh, COVID, I guess I shouldn't joke about that, but mm. no. Yeah. I'm like, I feel pretty confident with this horse. I'm like, bring on the next three. Like, what you got, war? Come on, famine. <laughs> Fuck around. Uh, what's the other one? Death, I guess. Fuck. Pest- pestilence. Pestilence or- is what we're in right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. What is it? I'm trying to, I'm literally trying to think of the robot chicken, like script, like the skit oh. where instead of the Care Bears, it's like, um, the, the, like, um, the horses and it's like, I'm pestilence pony, <laughs> or it's like the, my little ponies, but it's like war fam. And it's like, I'm death pony. And it's like, I'm literally thinking of the skit. I'm like, yes, I'm pestilence pony. Yeah. We're pestilence pony, bitch. <laughs> where's our magical superpowers though i feel we're missing out on those well speaking speaking of magical superpowers what a great segue tanya what are we talking about today oh we well (laughs) we've got two i guess three kind of major things on our on our to-do list today for this recording Um, first of all we want to provide an update on congress but second of all, we are going to be talking about Indigenous graphic novels, which is my jam. It's my toast. It is my absolute passion. I love graphic novels. I'm teaching actually a graphic novel in my class, one of my classes right now. So the comics that we are going to be reading are A Girl Called Echo by Katrina Vermette. It's a part of the, actually, we're reading the first volume, which is Pemmican Wars. I think that there's like how many are there now? There's four? Yeah, four. The new, yeah, yeah. one just came out, a new one. Oh, yeah. I pre-ordered that one a while ago. And the next one is Dakota, 
Deck Wakata Warriors by Cole Pauls. Yes. So I'm excited to take a deep dive into these graphic novels. But first, Kayla, do you want to talk about Congress? Do you want to open up that can of worms? Um, yeah, so I guess I will open it up with the serious business talk. Uh, Uh, yeah, so if you have been listening to us this season, so we are in season three of the book women and we entered the season in collaboration with Ilsa, um, in kind of collaboration working up towards Congress. And that's the Social Sciences and Humanities Congress that happens every year uh, for different faculties and different associations across Canada. However, um, more recently, Ilsa has decided to no longer participate in Congress as well as many other associations have also made the decision to not participate in Congress this year for very important and very serious reason. And so that means that we as the book women who are um, working with Ilsa and being supported for this season with Ilsa will also not be participating in any events that will be happening in collaboration with Congress. And this is a decision that we fully support with uh, Ilsa. And we've had lots of conversations with their executive and their Uh, team over there. So if you have any questions about this, um, I would definitely recommend then to reach out to Ilsa themselves and they can provide their reasoning as well as um, there's lots written about kind of what's happening with Congress right now and the decisions that are being made. So yeah, that's that's our update about Congress. Um, however, we are planning other events with ILSA that will not be Congress related. So keep posted for those. And we are just excited to keep the collaboration going with ILSA themselves because they are a great group of people over there and a great um, organization. So yeah, that's our update. Yeah. That's the update. So if you want to connect with Ilsa, you should check out their website. It's indigenousliterarystudies.org. If you add a forward slash contact to that, it'll bring you directly to their contact page. So you can connect with them that way or with their email address is indigenouslsa at gmail.com. Yes. I think um, they also have some information on their Twitter too. So mm-hmm. um, on their socials, you might be able to find a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah. What is their Twitter Twitter handle again? I think it's Indigenous LSA. Yes, yeah, I it think is. So. Okay. Um, I think go. we should also take a moment to make it explicitly clear that um, this was, we're following the lead of the Black Canadian Studies Association and um, specifically naming um, anti-Black racism and the need for all um, academic spaces including Congress to do more um, for that knowledge production and sharing and uh, supporting our colleagues, um, our colleagues who uh, have been really struggling. Um, So we, as I, as a non-academic, as a non-Black person, um, I think it's really important to support our black colleagues and um, yeah, that's what it is about. We should we should really name it. And we're following um, Elsa's decision and it was a very tough 
decision, but um, it's important to take the time to really reflect on what is happening and what we can do better. So it's not saying um, we're, just, we're gone forever, because who knows, maybe even I will end up back in academia someday. Um, I mean, wilder things have happened, but um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. We're taking the space to really, really reflect on what, how we can be better for mm. Black colleagues. Perfectly said. Yeah. Thank you, Sheila. Well, that's, that's the comic. Yeah. You know, well, I, I just want to talk. I always want to talk about relationality. Relationality is yes. so important. And this is where like our, and I don't want to say, I guess I shouldn't say our, as in mine and you two, but um, just the teachings that I've received over the years of living here in Treaty 6 as an uninvited guest, I've, I mean, it's all about not creating a hierarchy of human beings, right? And making sure that we treat each other like relatives, even though we're not blood related, we're all relations. So doing this and standing with our colleagues is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And it's something that, I mean, we don't necessarily need Congress to be the reason to do that. This is something we need to be practicing every day in every way, right? Yes, it, this, events like this is also a really good reminder of of us not to get so um, individualistically mined. I don't even said even a word. I mean, like mainstream society, it's all about individualism. But you know, time to start thinking collectively and taking care of each other, like we're related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say my it little better. soapbox moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it, it's true. Like you know, at academia, if. I'm sure, you know, all, all y'all listening have heard us talk about academia and the beast that academia is and continues to be. And, you know, I, we need to, you know, support, support our cousins and our relatives that are, you know, in it with us and support them in their needs. Cause you know, without a team, you know, without doing this together, it's going to stay the same and no change is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we need to be standing by each other. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, colonization, it affects us all. It mm-hmm. affects every single one of us, of course, in different ways. But I mean, folks like Black folks or people who are of quote unquote, like my minority or un- underrepresented populations, like we, we understand, we get it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's not always rainbows and unicorns, right? So yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's also like really important, like we as like particularly Western um, North American history, we are in a black moment. And like this is like 2020, whatever it was, like really um, moved it even further into the mainstream. And I think it's really easy for academia to kind of operate within a vacuum and in a bubble, um, but it's not. And like black history is everywhere. Black labor is everywhere. Black folks who are 
not being, you know, oh, like just treated in the same way because the system is not set up in the same way for them um, as it is for other people like myself who passes as white. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So I to think, everyone listening, out yes. there, put, on, put on those active listening ears, right? This is yeah. your time to listen, to sit back, shut up and know that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. is what you're trying. I think that's what you're trying to say there, Sheila. <laughs> Sorry yep. to jump in. <laughs> nope. I love it. Get, yes. Thank you for saving me from myself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So let's move on speaking, to, yeah. to happier things here. Speaking of colonialism. Yes. Let's move on to these graphic novels and how colonialism has impacted us and other shit awesome yeah yeah other (laughs) shit (laughs) all of you listeners would not have known this but i think this was our most heated converse well i don't know maybe heated oh the debate debate. (laughs) yeah this was this was our moment where we were just like so indecisive or I say we, but really, I mean me. It was me that was being mm-hmm. a little bit of a stinker about you were such a stinker. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'm. A, you know, sometimes I can be a shit, and this was one of my shit moments. So <laughs> many apologies. But, but Tanya I'm here and ready to talk. About it's okay. It. This is it's a book club format. I mean, that is that not what book clubs are supposed to be about? Is discussing the text and what we like and what we don't like about them. Yeah, exactly. So without I mean, reading perfect, it too hard, you know. It's yeah. The perfect kind of like a introduction to these graphic novels here. So, um, do we want to provide a little summary of what A Girl Called Echo and Pemmican Wars, this volume, is about? Sure. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is that you volunteered yes. me to do it? Yes, okay. that sounds like a great idea. All right. So th- I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version here. It's... um. It's about a young Métis woman who's 13 years old. Her name is Echo Desjardins, which is, it's a very Métis name, which Mm -hmm. I love. So basically, the story is that she's she's having a hard time. She's having a hard time at home. She's struggling with loneliness. Um, She was separated from her mom. She's at a new school, new home, lots of things going on in, in her life. So in history class, she's starting to learn about Canadian history, more specifically about Métis history. And in this volume, they're talking about the Pemmican Wars. Now, the first volume is Pemmican Wars. And the second volume, I think, is the Red River Resistance. And the third one is Northwest Resistance. It basically pinpoints each um, moment in history. That's my alarm going off. I'm just going to mute myself for one second. Sure. I was, I was like, Tanya, we know what you think about this book, but did you really yeah. have to bring on the crickets? Like, Yeah. I was like, wow, how is she doing that audio thing? She learned a new skill. Like, wow. Good, good job. 
so uh i've been so careful too about the sounds in my vicinity i have my a you, fabric putting my coffee mug on here but of course like crap my alarm you demonstrated Apologies. a lot of growth <laughs> i'm really proud of you thank you i'll take my medal later yeah <laughs> anyways so a girl called echo each volume has a different snapshot of metis history and mm-hmm. the way that echo the, the main character kind of interacts with this history is like she's traveling back and forth through time so it's half in present time and half in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 She literally gets transported back into time in her history class. Like yeah. that, that's pretty cool. Though. So that's the gist. The reason why I don't like it is I, okay. I, let me, let me talk about this with some more padding here. I I do like it. I, I think that there's significant value in this graphic novel, which I'll talk to you a lot a bit later. But the reason I put up a big fight about not picking this one is because there's so many graphic novels where we as Indigenous peoples are represented as a static culture. We're always put in this frame of the past. And graphic novels is such a fascinating medium because graphic novels, it's, it's visual, but there's also like a rawness about it. It's more vulnerable because you can see it. So as a medium itself, this is a, this is a medium where you can really push the boundaries and it's accepted if not encouraged highly. So for me, I because, because I love comic books so much, I'm like, but there's so many other really good ones that we could highlight and show like our culture in so many different ways. But I was obviously outvoted on this one. So, so <laughs> why did you two want to pick this one? Because I know you two were arguing for and I was the only one that was like, I don't want to read this one. Because um, it, if you read the book, uh, it does show kind of the juxtaposition between, you know, how Métis families used to be and how they are now because of colonialism and how that impacts us as modern people. Like, look at Echo is, I'm, I think she's in a foster home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, it looks do like get to meet her mom and her mom and her have been removed from like their community. Like they know that they're Métis but you don't really learn much. She doesn't know anything about her family. It's very like when you look at even Echo interacting with her mom, they're very removed from each other. But when you see like Echo interacting with the Métis family in like the past, they're very connected and they're together and there's a sense of community. Whereas in the present, that's lacking. And I know that's something that's often talked about within um, the Métis community is like the lost generation. So those who were lost and then the new generation now is the found generation because they're finding their culture. So it kind of like shows how colonialism has impacted like the Métis community and Métis families in like a really interesting way other than it's more like, I think I would have had more issues with this book if it would have been way more like trauma and like a really trauma heavy narrative there is that instance of trauma but it's dealt with in a way that isn't like really 
trauma focused without also showing like resiliency and the badassness of like the Métis nation historically and contemporarily. But I think it really does show the reality of for Métis youth in Canada, um, not all, but for a lot of them. And, you know, I respect like that decision. That's why I like it. And yeah, I don't know, Sheila, what did, why did you think this was going to be such a great book? Okay. So I, I like graphic novels. I think like, I'm not like anti-graphic novel in any sort of the stretch of imagination, but uh, it's not my, I'm not, I have, I'm not well read in that genre. And I know that this is like a, a series that people talk about and um, people like, except for Tanya. And <laughs> and uh which is fine and I was like oh like I haven't read it yet which is kind of embarrassing so I should read it and I read it and love I identified with Echo so much like this like lonely misunderstood Métis girl listening to Nirvana are you fucking kidding me uh like with like this like anarchy like patches and shit on her like jackets I was like literally that was me like I didn't have an iPod because I couldn't afford that but like I had this like knockoff like generic mp3 player and like yeah I I was like this yeah I never went to foster care or anything like that like I'm pretty bougie um and like privileged in that sense but like she's wearing like this t-shirt that says weird on it and like just like loving all this like angsty stuff I'm like yes echo I like I finished reading it and I immediately put holds on the rest of the series and I was like oh what a gap what an embarrassing like literature gap that I have like so I I'm like super glad to be reading this Mm -hmm. and like thanks my own podcast for like helping me read books because you know we're helping you achieve your goals yeah 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 so above your head (laughs) I had a moment though when reading it and like if you look at Echo's like um her like I whatever she's her iPhone or like whatever she's listening to her music on and the music that she's listening to um it's all says mom's old CDs on it and I was like I like that music I'm old (laughs) yeah mom's old cds it's like auntie's old cds (laughs) oh yeah like i'm i am old like for sure i looked looked at it i was like oh yeah yep old music what what page is that on oh let me find it but like yeah i was like like, oh yeah yeah page 19 kind of Uh, oh yeah red hot chili peppers yeah yeah. I'm old like I saw Anthony Kiedis just turned like 52 years old or something like that shut the fuck up I know right didn't yeah are you serious (laughs) yeah is he ugly now no oh my god no no he has aged well he has aged very well him and Flea have aged very well really Um, okay yeah but so like the one thing that I also like about these like this graphic novel is like this uh the little subtleties that you can pick out in it yes um and the inclusiveness like I don't know the history teacher whatever like his backstory but some of the other teachers you can kind of see like 
their backstory. So on page 11, um, the teacher is, I am assuming. It's, I'm is, assuming non-binary. Yeah. It's, hmm. But it's not told, which is, I mean, you no, don't it's, need to point it out. It's not told, exactly. But it's like that kind of like inclusiveness that you like, that you can kind of pick out in it that I, I like. Um, but also like on same page, I totally feel that the snotty girls that are like giving her the stare down and just like the awkwardness of walking through the halls at school like mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yep yeah it's nice to have a queer character that's not their storyline isn't about coming out or anything along those lines they just can exist in a graphic novel without having yeah. drama associated with them not only ex- um, not only yeah and like sorry to interrupt you but like not only um exist but actually hold like a place of professionalism like they're a teacher just professionalism and power right like yeah they're just there vibing mm-hmm. doing their job and it's it's all good you know like yeah so i think that that's so you know, me... a bare minimum and also very lovely. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> let me tell, okay. So this is what would make the graphic novel a lot better for me. First of all, like, I mean, uh, Kayla, I think that you're right. It does tell the story of colonization and the effects of colonization on a people and on an individual, which I think is so it's very cool. It's very cool. It's like, how do you, this is how you grow up when you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is the consequences of that. But I mean, it's, it's colonial, I guess, in the sense that it's showing oh, the main clips of history. It's not showing, I guess it's showing the, the heroes, the Métis heroes a lot in this series, like Louis Real and Cuthbert Grant and all of these other things. Whereas like, what if she traveled to time, traveled through time and visited her actual ancestral family? That would be so much more powerful in my own eyes, right? Like see the women, the women doing all of their awesome stuff. Or if she, or if it like, maybe she is related to these people. I don't know. Maybe we just haven't found that that out yet. Maybe Mm. she is. Mm -hmm, It's possible. mm -hmm. It, it is very possible. I, you know, I do... I get that. I I get that. Like there's, I think, you know, it could have been framed differently when it comes to history though, like history and even talking about like the battle of seven Oaks and Métis history has always been taught in up until like recently with the advent of more like indigenous professors coming into academia as like white man being Victor, like Métis, you know, are the losers except for they definitely were not because they ran them down like buffalo um (laughs) with the buffalo run they were like guerrilla warfare and that's and hunted people like they did buffalo Mm -hmm. um which i think is pretty badass uh but anyways i think it's just showing history in a different way and in in a different light that might 
it, this is more for like, yes, for indigenous people, but also I think it's for a broader audience. Like this is definitely not a book that's just solely for indigenous people and communities. Cause yeah, I feel like if it was going more that for, you know, for community, it, it would have been different, probably not highlighting, you know, the major historic events, but like you said, Tanya, like it would have been better to highlight actual like family and reconnecting to family, but we don't know, maybe that's coming. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe that's the future kitchen, the kitchen volume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I know I know it's really easy to like focus on you know a few male uh Metis hero- heroes that take up a lot of space, but also there's like some descendants of male Metis make uh, heroes on this uh, podcast. <laughs> so, like, I think all of us are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, like I understand the argument. It's like, okay, not everyone is related to like these historical figures, but like some of us are, and it's okay. And uh, well, now we got to talk about our ancestors. Uh, you you opened it. Yeah, I know. I, I was know, thinking I know about that. They- that they talk about Cuthbert Grant, which is why I was laughing when I was thinking yeah. of this photo so many times from Kayla. But I know in the second volume, they, they mentioned Ambrose Lapine. He's a speaking character. So I remember oh. showing that to my mom and being like, look, our ancestor's here. He's a Lapine. And my mom's like, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching my shows go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm related to Cuthbert Grant. I'm a Grant descendant. So it's kind of, it's kind of badass to like see your, your relative, like in a graphic novel and being like, yeah, I'm related to that guy. Yeah. I I hope he would be proud. Like, yeah. (laughs) Gabriel Dumont is my great, great uncle. Like we're direct line from Isidore Dumont, like both of them, junior and senior. Um, So Yes, that's how that, uh, yeah, so that's how that happened. Oh, Um, you know what, too? Okay, so, and I don't know, Tanya, if we've ever talked about this, like, in another episode that is actually kind of something interesting to see, and it's the fact that there's an Indigenous person with a disability in this book. I was just looking at that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is something that you often, I, it's so rare to see somebody with a disability, especially an indigenous person with a disability being portrayed in any type of media, like. Which is bananas because we all have so (laughs) we have so many health problems. So why aren't (laughs) we being represented? I know. Yeah, yeah, truly. Like we're celiacs in there. (laughs) we're we're all like descendants of heroes and we're all not we're all none of us can eat dairy we can but you know there'll be lots of like stomach problems going around (laughs) some of us have chronic pain and like chronic illness and you know unnamed chronic illnesses and yeah it's like it's just the vibe we're all (laughs) sad queer weirdos who are sick (laughs) we're sick weirdos I love it I'm wondering uh, I had something in my head but now I can't remember what it was I'll I'll loop back to it I'll loop back oh uh, that's what I was gonna say uh recommendation if I were to recommend this to any sort of audience it would be a mainstream grade five classroom 
Yes. You know, like how much better, how inviting is it to a child that is, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11 to learn about Métis history than through a graphic novel, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's genius. Mm-hmm. So I see, yeah. this, I see this really as a teaching tool and the entire series, you could, you could talk about it. I would make my students read this for mm-hmm. sure. And also there's some other stuff at the back too, that was kind of cool. Like, I don't know if you took a look at the, like the pemmican recipe, like how to make it. Um, that was pretty cool. And then also the bard of the Métis, like Pierre Falcon and learning the song of the of the Métis, like not the national at like the Métis anthem, because that's a, that's the Métis national anthem is a Métis national treasure. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't heard it in a while. Oh, me neither. But whenever I'm like feeling some sort of way, I just put that on. I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not this pathetic. I feel better now. Like, it's just like, it's, it's not pathetic. It's just like it's such a weird. Anyway, we'll link to it in the show. National notes, an- anthems in in general are weird. Yes, and it's like, so. what are we singing about? Like for real? Like what is this? Anyways, <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah, being Métis, we're like so cheesy. Like yes, the so cheese up that cheese so cheesy. And most of us are allergic to it. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've had to stop drinking ice caps. My partner's like, you need to stop. You're stinking me out of my room, (laughs) out of the room. We're like, yeah. Wow. TMI, TMI. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. Yeah. So total subject change. I am wondering why there is no Michiv speakers in this comic book. Why is there no Michiv? Especially no. if they're in the past. Well, probably couldn't find some, like, maybe translation. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> also, I, like, yeah, people would have spoke Mechif, but not everybody would have spoke Mechif. There would have been other languages that people were also speaking. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of, like, panels that have no um, written dialogue. Yeah. So maybe that's like where the... That, yeah, me too. But that maybe that's where the midship lies in between the lines. I Ooh, the in, in the gutter. Is what oh that my god, is. in the road allowance of the page. Fuck. <laughs> road allowance of the page. <laughs> I like that. Oh. I like that too. I like that too. Well, on the pages where she's in the present time and there's no speaking, it just emphasizes the loneliness that she's experiencing, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, every time I look at her mom, I'm just like, man, it's heartbreaking. I just want to hug her and be like, it's okay, auntie. Like, geez, it's just, it almost like the, just her mom's face. You can just tell has like so much pain in it. It's just like beautifully drawn, but also like very emotional. You can tell, like you can read the emotion on the page, um, like even when her mom lights up and is like, oh, that's great. But then it's back to like something said and it's just back to like, you know, that pain of not knowing who you are and, you know, with the other com- the other family dynamic and issues that are happening within this book and her and her daughter. So mm-hmm. yeah, 
one last thing that I love that I do like about this graphic novel, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, is the the music. I have this theory about Métis people, you know, and this is this is how it is with my own family is that music is a way to tell time like this is so for example my uncle will never say oh that happened in 1987 or 1988 or whatever he won't say that he will say it was when that Beatles song came out (laughs) this particular song and that's what happened you know and it's Mm -hmm. always music music is a center of our lives and it's how we distinguish moments of time from each other which i think is super fascinating i would love to hear the echoes a girl called yeah echoes playlist maybe there's a spotify playlist somewhere around that has her name on it there you go that's the special features (laughs) in this graphic Mm -hmm. novel (laughs) very cool though very cool i'm like sitting with that thought that's really deep yeah and like music right get into it (laughs) get into it okay so any other last thoughts about this graphic novel before we make the shift go buy it read it it. buy it do the other ones like get the other ones take Mm -hmm. a read they're fair it's fairly short so literally you could sit down you know, if you're on the John and <laughs> just whip this baby out, uh, it's short. I, yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of nice thing about it. It was short. Um, mm-hmm. and it, but it almost left me wanting more because it was a little yes. bit too short for me. So I was like, oh, it ended so fast, especially because there isn't a lot of dialogue. So like it ends pretty fast. And I was like, I want more, but yeah. That's why I think, okay, so there there are a difference between the words graphic novel and comic book. Um, so I know that our, I guess our episode is about graphic novels, but this I would say is more of a comic book because it has those volumes, those tiny little volumes, but it's really interesting that they decided to do that because here's something interesting, like back in the day when we still had comic book stores open, like local ones, those new comic books and the volumes would get released and they would have a a comic book day where all of the fans or all of the people who really like this particular series would go in to the comic book store and purchase it together so it's almost like creating community that way so i yeah i would say maybe maybe that's the purpose maybe we're all just waiting for that uh, next comic book day which apparently was pretty recent because there's another volume out Mm mm-hmm There you go. So, Dakwada, Dakwakata, Dakwakata, Dakwakata Warriors. I love this. I love this. I love this one. Okay. I, when I first got it, I was like, I don't know. Like, I picked it up and kind of did the, like everyone does when they get a new book and they crack it and then scroll through the pages. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. And then I started reading it. I was like, I love this. Like I sat in bed and was glued to it. I was like, this is amazing. Um, yeah. 
I think this one has all the things that Tanya wanted out of the other book. <laughs> like, that's why I was like, if we're going to read this one, we should read this one to contrast it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. am 100%. This is one of my favorite Indigenous graphic novels. And I've, I've read a lot, so that says a lot. Thank you, Cole Pauls. I've never met you, but you are the weirdo of my heart and soul. Oh. <laughs> you know? This is such a weird story, but I dig it. I really, really like it. Can it, Kayla, can you provide the summary for this one? Can you even provide a summary? For I don't this? even, it's like in these, okay, so it's hard. It's, it's, it's like indigenous in space. It's like a future, futurisms kind of. Um, and it's these two indigenous individuals and they are fighting bad guys. And I believe one, one of the bad, no, the bad guy's not a Yeti. Is the bad guy the Yeti, the Sasquatch? No, no he's the a good guy. guy. No, he's the, the, the Sasquatch was taken over I right. think, by this yeah, evil, like, got, pirate man. Yeah. And <laughs> there's, their spaceships and their like outfits are like nor uh like kind of drawn like northwest coast art um yeah, yeah. and the foot like the one space thing is like a foot <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know it's weird it's weird and I like it um yeah yeah so it's it's pretty it's pretty cool I think there's lots of reference to like community and culture um and like Northwest coast or like coastal specific, a lot of the artwork follows that kind of like uh, painting and carving motif, as well as there's like imagery of the longhouse in it and other um, and other indigenous specific to like the Pacific Northwest, like culture and community organization. Um, so that that's really cool. And language, it has like, a lot of indigenous languages in it. So a lot of the English text is actually broken up with indigenous language. So um, I think that is what made me kind of, when I first saw this, I was like, I don't know, cause it made me a little bit nervous seeing all the like language. And I was like, am I gonna be able to follow along with this just cause it is so broken up, but it was actually like, it, it yeah, was pretty awesome. they do it awesome. in a way that's not invasive. So they yeah. have, um, an indigenous word. What language is that? I should have looked this uh, up. It's, I think it might be Southern Tushon and yeah, I think he's from, Cole Paul is from the Yukon, but we definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to you on includes, that. <laughs> includes text in English and Southern Tushon. Okay. Tushon. So I'm like, I'm not familiar with that at all. And I'm not, yeah. So I, as someone who doesn't, isn't used to like reading graphic novels compared to you nerds. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think that as a compliment. Yeah, no, it is, it is. <laughs> but like, you know, like having like the language and the images, like the written words and the images like at different places on the page, like I'm not, I don't typically interact with media like that. So then to also have it like um, footnote style kind of go back and forth between the two languages, it was a slow build for me. I was like, not gonna lie. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can 
I don't know if I can deal with all of this. Is this, I can't, uh, but then I was like, girl, yes, you can. You can read different languages. You can read different types of books. Yes, you can. You can learn some language. And then like, I felt like I was learning some stuff, which I was mm. like, oh, look at me in my old brain. <laughs> We're killing it. So like, yeah. And it's like a pretty like future, like, you know, you know, yeah. Tanya, we're not stuck in the past. We're like building spaceships and shit. Yeah, we're and building like, spaceships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. And you bring up a really important point. And this is something that I love to tell adults about graphic novels. Because Kayla and I, we did a lot of volunteer work with at at-risk youth. And also when I was working at the library, I used to do lots of outreach work with graphic novels and they're fascinating. I mean, there's a lot, there's a huge stigma kind. I would say it's getting less and less like it's, it's not really there anymore, but still there in the old, depending on where you're getting your information from. Like I'm thinking about the stereotypical old school librarian with the Mm -hmm. bun in her hair, you know, that stereotype. Um, but they're the ones that are shaking their fingers saying that's not real literature you should be reading this instead but I mean realistically speaking the reason why or one of the reasons why is that you may have had a problem is because graphic novels actually ignite a different part of your brain than reading Mm -hmm. actual words on a page because you have that extra dynamic of trying to solve the puzzle of okay where is this story what is the progression of this story? What do these images on the page tell me? Where are my eyes going? So you're actually igniting a problem-solving part of your brain. So you're developing problem-solving skills while you are reading this. So mm-hmm. there you go. There are many benefits to reading graphic novels. Yeah, no. And I've, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, like, I'm on board. I'm on board. And I've heard, I've heard that before about, like, um, graphic novels. And I was like, okay, brain you can do this. Like, like you got this. And I felt like working out like a parts of my brain that I hadn't in a while. Cause I just atrophy, but you know, <laughs> I, like, but I felt like pretty good. I was like, Oh yeah, my brain got some muscles to it. Like I can do more than just doom scroll on Twitter, like hours and hours at a time. So like, it felt, it felt good to be yeah. reading reading this it felt good though it so, does make it difficult to read with your kids this mm-hmm. is actually something interesting when I first bought this graphic novel it was a while ago and I had it on my nightstand and my son stomped in my room as he always does and he's like what's this mom what's going on over here and he opens it up and he's like mom I want to read this so <laughs> like okay Aww. so he made me he made me read him this graphic novel every single night until it was done and he loved it and he's five he's five years old but he was reading with me like a graphic novel that's meant for young adults and he ate it up he loved every single piece of it the only thing that I think I kind of bombed was the language pronunciation <laughs> that's just like I don't know what word that is but I, what I would do is I would read it out loud in the indigenous language first. And then I would say, oh, that means this, mm-hmm. you know? So it was really, it was a really interesting experience for the two of us reading about like, 
you know, mm-hmm. killer Sasquatches in outer space. Yeah. And like, I think, so if you actually like flip back to the very, the very back of the book, there is a whole like section where he talks about the creation of this book and why he created this graphic novel. And the reason that there's language in it is it's because he wanted to create a language revitalization graphic novel, which I think is pretty cool. But also when we were talking about with a girl called Echo and kind of the subtleties and within the book, this one is for community and the community's subtleties are like, I'm so, I'm so thankful. Like it's not needed that like a reasoning or like a description of the book from the author, but when you actually read this and he lays out why he used certain, certain imagery. So for example, his community uses clans and um, they have two clans and the heroes are from those clans. So that's the wolf uh, and the crow clan. And the colors of those two clans are black, white, and red. And that's why this whole graphic novel, the only colors that are used in the palette are black, white, and red, as well as the characters. So the heroes in it are actually um, people from the community. Uh, so one is the founder of like a dance, um, a dance group and a cultural leader. And that's Annie Need, and then Vivian Smith was his teacher from grade 12, language teacher, and then um, I think it's Kasha is another language teacher and is a member of like a dance like group as well within the community. So the community connection in this book is like phenomenal and it's like shown in such like amazing way like this is made for community where a girl called echo was not necessarily made for community it's made for like others this is made for community this is made to in like inspire little native kids like little indigenous kids to go out and be like comic book creators and be like proud of their community and speak their language like i i love this mm-hmm and I mean, yeah. like the spaceships are he, awesome. Like, come on, yeah, they are. I think he commu- like he actually consulted community too. Like mm-hmm. it says in the back that he actually was um, back and forth quite a bit with consultation with elders from the home community. Yeah, which you don't really see that a lot in graphic novels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I really appreciate this, and like I think that more like I wish there was more indigenous graphic novels out there like this being produced and this is a series I believe there's like some other um within this series like some little self-published mini ones that he has but I I really like this Mm -hmm. who would you recommend it to this yeah I okay so this this is my reader's advisory I would recommend this to indigenous youth Um, but also I think, you know, this graphic novel really is for someone who's down for the weird, like this is for somebody who likes that really weird, like really arbitrary, like graphic novel comic that you're like, oh, you want something that's like totally different. You got to check this out. Like this Mm -hmm. is, this is for somebody who wants something different than like more of the mainstream graphic novel. So 
yeah it kind of encapsulates the genre or the format hey in the genre of graphic mm-hmm. novels like mm-hmm. i don't know what page this is but this sasquatch here right he has got some interesting nipples going on <laughs> i think it's hilarious that he like drew out these nipples on this sasquatch <laughs> think that's so funny and it's just that's such a a weird thing to include but I appreciated it I thought that was absolutely hilarious even including a Sasquatch in mm-hmm. as like and it's not even the bad character it's not even the bad guy he was kind of um subverted and coerced into being a bad person like yeah those supernatural elements yes please yes please mm-hmm and that he was like the Sasquatch was kidnapped from his home, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably some like really subtle storyline of colonization. Like maybe the Sasquatch is representing like indigenous kids that were kidnapped and then turned into cyborgs and then tried to like re get back into like their Sasquatch community, but he wasn't accepted because he's now a cyborg mm-hmm. and he's brainwashed by this evil pirate man. And they're bringing in all the other like communities around there. So like, um, like from around like the Yukon and the rest of kind of Northern Canada, like Gwich'in communities and other communities. And I love the map and how it like reimagines like the communities by their, like there's the map of like the Western style map with the communities written out, but then it also has their like, their clan animals, spaceships flying around. And I'm like, yes, I want to be on one of those. (laughs) (laughs) I want to drive one of those. (laughs) And the moon looks so amazing. Like I I love the drawing too. I love that the drawing's a little bit more. It's less realistic. It is less realistic. I actually like that. Yeah, it's less realistic. And it seems like not rough, but just more like, artistic than artistic in the sense that it's not like illustrated and like really nicely beautifully illustrated but it it reminds me almost like like graffiti art to a certain extent but not really like I want to see this on a giant mural on the side of a building in Vancouver like that's what I want to see yeah okay I have a confession I'm so sorry um Uh So the illustration style, like, especially the monsters or like non-human characters, whatever, um, is very similar to like an ex-boyfriend's style of mine. And I was like, I like had to like, I stopped and looked. I was like, what the fuck? Was this somehow illustrated by that fucking guy? But it wasn't, obviously. Like, it was like Cole Paul's like wrote and did it and I was like okay phew like like I was just triggered I was gonna say it sounds pretty triggering but then but then I was like no 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 don't worry about it Sheila this is legit like he's long gone like don't you don't have to think about that so but yes like I I was slower to it um, but I'm grateful for this book. Like this was, this is a cool book, like very cool. So, um, 
very serious question coming up. Are you prepared? Oh God, I'm never prepared, but let's do it. Okay. Which okay. spaceship would you choose to fly in? There's, oh. I think, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven choices. There's the ram, the frog. I think there's an orca whale, mm. um, eagle, or is it rape? It's raven, crow, wolf. And then there's the giant Sasquatch. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the orca. Like, because they're so, like, amazing. They're just amazing animals, like, to begin with. Um, so, and then, you know, to have one in space? Come on. <laughs> Game over. How about... How about you, Kayla? You know what? I would probably, my heart is being drawn to the ram for some reason. Capricorn. Because you're Capricorn? (laughs) Actually, no. Okay, so that, no. I was thinking about, um, like, oftentimes, like, at the higher elevations, like, the mountain goats are up there, like, the rams are up there. And they just like, they can climb like really high and on steep cliffs and they're just like not afraid. They just do the thing. But also um, there's this really cool area where you can hike up near Jasper and it's in the kind of rutting season. The male rams will actually like when they butt heads with their like big horns, um, it will echo like thunder throughout the valley and it creates this really cool sound of like the rams smacking heads together also they hit their heads together like i mean you know you're mad at somebody what do you do just like hit heads until somebody backs down like what else do you want in your life like we should we should we should settle all conflicts by just headbutting each other Mm -hmm. like i'm spoken like spoken like a true academic like let's butt heads (laughs) literally Yes. He's spoken like a true Capricorn, not Academia. Right. right. Wow. Yeah. What would you be, Tanya? Which one? What one's calling you? Well, obviously, I'd be the Sasquatch. Oh. That is the oh. coolest one. <laughs> okay. Kitchen in the crotch area. Why not? Although the nipples are covered up now that he's a cyborg. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. Yes, I would definitely like ride a giant Sasquatch through space. Sexual puns intended. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, <laughs> the Bushman. Yeah, so the Bushman, and that's one <laughs> thing. So in this, it's called uh, the character is the Bushman in following with like community knowledge over that character. So Bushman, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, all kind of same creature with similar stories they could be different creatures we don't know but like there's sasquatch provincial park not too far from where i am there you go you can go squatching yeah (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i you know i haven't i haven't seen one obs um because you know if I did I'd probably talk about it on this show like nonstop. uh I have heard so I have I was working with a student one time as a librarian they're like you have to hear this sound recording it's the bushman my brother recorded it when he was out hunting so I can say that I've heard a bushman screaming um but yeah I believe what does it sound like it's like it's like screaming so it kind of 
Like, have you heard like a big cat, like a, like a, like when cougars scream almost similar to that, but different. Cause it can be lower too. Like, I don't know. Look it up, Tanya. I'm sure there's audio out there of B- Bigfoot screaming. Believe me. Oh yeah. Like, there's shows written about it. You better believe I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, be- I believe in like that. I think 100%. Totally 100%. Oh, and yeah, I was going to say, and speaking about Bigfoot, and Netflix. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was oh, thinking about that. that. Oh, yes. See this comic book. It's a graphic novel. It's relevant. What's Still that relevant. Bigfoot? What's that Bigfoot movie about? Yeah, Kayla, you brought it up. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's Bigfoot family. So the Alberta government is suing Netflix. Uh, well, not the Alberta government, the war room or whatever they call it is suing Netflix for misrepresentation of the oil and gas industry, because in this, um, cartoon for children, Bigfoot and his family, his huge, his human wife and his half Bigfoot son and him are trying to stop them from using nuclear weapons to blow up the mountain so that they can use it for oil and gas. And the Alberta government is suing Netflix for misrepresentation. Eric and I just started Alberta. I know it's so (sighs) Eric and I Alberta. Literally, when I heard about this, I just immediately thought of Fern Gully. Like, this is not the first. Yes. But then I was also like, don't tell them about Fern Gully. Like, <laughs> like Fern he- Gully gave me nightmares as a kid. This is scary. Yes. And that's uh, uh, that's Tim Curry, who yeah. does Hexic. And do you remember the song Toxic Love when he's like yeah. swallowing things and like the animals yeah, it's the scariest part. I just remember them partying in the forest and being like, <laughs> yes, this is the best. But oh. also, yeah, it's like about logging in the oil and gas industry. Like that's how yes. she almost gets sucked into the logging thing. That's how she meets the guy, um, the blonde haired dude. Zach. But also, Zach, it, but also it talks about like, so Batty is obviously like, a science experiment he has the electrodes in his head he's like an escaped a science experiment how oh. else would a bat get fucking electrodes oh. in their head like it's it has so much undertone and like there's so many undertones of like social justice in it and it's just like you watch as a kid you're like mm, the bat has electric things in its head it makes him weird when he flicks it and he picks up radio signals and sings fun songs but it's like obviously he's an experiment like are am I just blowing did I just ruin your childhood no I okay. like I okay, you gotta watch I, it again yeah clearly because like I loved that movie and like grew up to become a little activist and then like I didn't really realize that all these implications like I'm about to like log off this podcast right now and just like go because I'm like yeah. what watch those cartoons yeah the world would be a better place if all children watched fern gully Mm -hmm. Uh, no i i I have it on vhs still at my house like i do yeah vhs player no eric and i actually uh, i don't i we were actually searching like main street 
at one point for a VHS player today. Because oh I was like, we should, if anywhere, that's where we're going to find one. Um, oh. Yeah, no, but I do, I have it. And like my mom got it for me when I was a kid. Like it was my favorite movie. There's like a home family video of me in like Jasper at Becker's bungalow in like the early nineties, jumping on a bed going, I need a checkup from the neck up. I'm batty. And then bouncing off the bed and smacking my head. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I love that movie too. Every time I see a tree with like, what are those called conscious or not conscious uh the mushrooms on the side I'm just whenever I'm with my kids in the forest I'm like okay if the fairies were here they would jump from here to here to here to Mm. climb the tree (laughs) I always think about Fern Gully like it's so beautiful and her the artwork and And her grandmother gives her the seed like the matriarchy the grandmother gives her the seed and she holds it in her hand and it, it like she holds it and it grows like out of her hand with her like power yeah, the only thing that movie is missing is a cyborg Sasquatch floating in space, killing yes. the bad guy. Yeah, which yeah. is colonization. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I don't really get your reference. Oh yeah, and isn't <laughs> graphic novel? I'm pretty sure that in Fern Gully, like Hexus is bitch mode. Like he's like he's like the sticky tar that comes out, like yeah. the bitch mode. Uh, is that the name of this guy no that's the no. bad oil like that's the, that's the that's the oh. raw material that they yeah. mine for oil and gas it's bitumum bitumum that's what, like the most non-albertan albertan ever yeah <laughs> i was like oh, girl yeah. that's that's that, the that's, economy that's <laughs> <laughs> however there's like you know for all the history buffs out there there is actual fur trade records that talks about indigenous people taking bitumen from the side of the rivers where it was found and patching their canoes with it so there you go a little history history knowledge of the day <laughs> cool Why yeah do I remember this character's name do they what? really mention it a lot like this bad guy the guy with the eye patch i'm sure it's in there that it's probably the, that stole the sasquatch what is his name I guess it says something that I don't remember what his name was, that it's not mentioned that'll not mentioned quite a bit. Or maybe that's there's a deeper meaning. Like this could be everyone and anyone. Uh so there's cyber nai and space quade dan. And they're the two nemesis of Cirque and a gay. I don't know. I just really yeah. butchered those, but it says it's it okay. on the first page. Um, oh, we, but you know, for book women, we're just going to call them wolf, crow, space, mm-hmm. space pirate, bad guy, and um, cyborg Sasquatch man. So, yes. Cool. Cyborg Sasquatch man with the funky nipples. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so, those nipples, like they're pointing in all sorts of directions. Maybe they're pointing the way, you know, how like we point with our lips sometimes. Oh, okay. Oh my Except God. Instead of lips, it's nipples. 
the shock in Kayla's face is like, how did, why did you say that out loud? This is why we don't use like the video from Zoom. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> this is where my brain's going. Oh, yeah. Man. So 100% recommend this, yeah. this graphic novel. This is anti-approved. Yeah. And anti, not like don't do it, but anti as in Métis anti-approved. We love it. Everybody it, should read, read it. it. Pick up um, a copy. Best audience, I'd say. Um, any sort of literature class, English class, where they're talking about um, Indigenous literatures or Canadian literatures, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. And then, so, yeah. What are we reading next? Does anyone remember? I have several books on my nightstand. Um, I think we're reading the poetry. poetry? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Can we get a little teaser to that one? Do we have a write-up of it ready to go? No. No. (laughs) Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I know. Wasn't it Jay Simpson? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, it's going to be great. Yes. So the next book that we're going to be reading, we're going to be publishing the episode on April the 23rd, which means, of course, we always schedule the weekend before just to make sure we give everyone lots of time in case they want to send in questions or comments or participate in the conversation any sort of way. But April 23rd, so the weekend before April 23rd, if I can pull up a calendar here. So if you can get your questions, comments in before April 16th, that would be greatly appreciated. Again, we are going to be reading. It was never going to be okay by Jay Simpson. So I am definitely looking forward to that conversation as well. Although I've been pretty happy with all of the choices that we've had so far of the books and stuff. Oh yeah. We make good choices. (laughs) Good, healthy choices. Yep. Always good, healthy choices. So if you, yeah, if you do have a comment or anything that you would like to say about this poetry collection, you can hit us up on social media through our Twitter account, book underscore women, or through our email or pretty much anywhere that you can connect with us directly. We'll make it happen. We'll filter the way our way through, through everything. So yeah. Any other last minute thoughts, feelings? I have one thing. Wrap it all up. I have one thing. Did you two see who won Canada Reads? No. Uh, I did. I love that book so much. Oh, really? Yeah. Thank God. Yes. So for our listeners, Josh Whitehead won Canada Reads after our little thing about saying, you know, about reconciliation, if they really cared. Uh, Yeah. Josh Whitehead. Congratulations, Josh. That is amazing. Yes. So we have some congratulations. Yeah. We have some indigenous representation now within Canada reads. So finally, that's such a good book. Yeah. Oh yes. Listen to it as an audiobook. Joshua Whitehead. He actually narrates it and he does a really good job. I really love his stuff. Full metal indigiqueer is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So We will see you next time and definitely feel free to connect with us in any way. Hi, hi. Thank you. And thanks for being with us and supporting us.